0: It is great having you here tonight, we had a wonderful afternoon service, and I appreciate all that we're here for that. It's um, a little bittersweet tonight, because tonight's Nathan and Alicia's last time with us for who knows how long, Lord knows, and it's been an honor to be with you, and just a pleasure. kind of feels like home when you're here, just kind of like normal, and, and we could use you every Monday night in there, running that machine, that would be a big help, I'd appreciate that a lot. But our prayers will go with you. And trusting that God will continue to use you in a great way, and we just commit you to God's care, knowing that uh, if uh, you could not be safer anywhere in the world than in God's will, and we believe that you're there. So thanks for being with us; it's been a blessing. Well, we're in the Book of Genesis, and um, we <laughs> we really have pretty much just opened with the first few words of the first verse. Now. Good news is we got through several verses this afternoon, so unless we're exceptionally slow in here tonight, I think we'll do okay <laughs> get through about the same uh, material. want we'll to ask a question and and don't be afraid to answer it. The question is, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know? You just know how. Okay? All right? He says he knows he's saved because he trusts the Bible, trusts Jesus. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? How do you know you're saved? Yes, ma'am. Lorene? God speaks to you through his word. Okay? Very good. Anybody else? One more? Anybody else? Bob? I'm sorry? Oh, you hate the sin that you do. And my question for you would be: how do you know it's a sin? Okay. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm fishing for. Kind of a recurring theme in the answer. How do you know that you're saved? Well, apart from God's word, you're not going to know that. You know you're saved because of the truth of God's word. Now, last week we jumped into this study and um, working on or studying Genesis. And um, what I'm learning in my studies is that through the centuries, actually from the very beginning, there has been an assault on the Bible. And it seems focused on the book of Genesis. And it makes sense to me because if, if I can get you to doubt in the beginning God, Just those words, if I can get you to doubt the truth behind that, all of a sudden the superstructure of the entire word of God begins to crumble. How can you trust what something that Paul says in Ephesians if you really can't trust what the very first verse of the Bible says? And so here the devil's been attacking this very beginning of the Bible over and over again. And I have been incredibly surprised in my study. Um, what what's happened because of that. I've uh, I told Nathan last week that I so appreciated him as what he said in here in his message because he referred to the fact that he still believed in a literal six-day creation. God created the heavens and the earth. How long? Well, over six days, then he rested for a day. Literal six, 24-hour days. And he was unashamed to say that. There are some groups in which... A person believing that would be an extreme minority, um, evangelical groups, or standing up and saying that, you might be laughed out of the auditorium. But just so you know, and this may affect how long you want to sit in here tonight, I believe exactly how Nathan believes, in a literal six-day creation. Now, why do I believe it? Why am I so simplistic? Why am, I, why am I so juvenile in my thoughts? Because the Bible says it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. If you're taking notes, we're going to start on the, no, on the one that I left off on last week. And so it's a repeat of last. was number four. A possible solution. A possible solution. We had just talked about a couple theories uh, that man has come up with to explain away really, the, the authority of in the beginning God. One of those solutions, if you would, one of those theories, is that between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, I'm going to read you these verses. Between Genesis 1-1, that says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And verse 2, that says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we'll be discussing particularly that second verse tonight. But between those verses, there is this thought that has come out that that says that God created the original earth and then waited millions or perhaps billions of years for that original creation to solidify and to develop its geology and its geography and perhaps even created a civilization in that original creation. But that civilization went bad. And something about that original creation, in fact, they, they, they believe that, that the, Satan fell during that first uh, civilization. And it went bad. And so God then, sometime again, millions or billions of years later, intervened and in six literal days, then restored what, had, what was his original plan. So basically they're saying that God blew it. God made a horrible mistake, and so he came to rectify that in six days, and then, whew, I got a rest. And we did it. That's, in a nutshell, the gap theory. Now, I've taken some license in, in interpreting that, but that's, that's basically what, what, what they're saying. They're trying to bridge the gap, if you will, between science, when Darwin came out promoting evolution, and the Bible that says, in the beginning, God. Well, how can you combine the two? Well, with this little gap between the verse 1 and verse 2. And so I offer a possible solution to all these different theories, like the day-age theory, that instead of six literal days, they believe the six ages, God created over six ages, and every age could have been millions of years. Well, the possible solution I'm going to offer is letter A, God is all-powerful and sovereign. And I read you a series of verses last week. I'll read you just one now, and that is Hebrews 1.3. Who, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. I mentioned to you that there are some very significant, notable um, leaders in, in, in our faith that have... The, the belief in some version of the gap theory. Since I was in high school, I've used the Schofield Bible. Now, in high school, I used a new Schofield Bible, and then for when I got my second year of college, I went to an old Schofield, and that's what I've used now. I've got one right here. Let me read for you in his notes on verses 1 and 2. Now, this is the, uh, this is the revised version of it. He's got an earlier version. But it says, but three, in his notes, but three creative acts of God are recorded in this chapter. The heavens and the earth, animal life, and human life. Then he says, the first creative act refers to the dateless past and gives scope for all the geologic ages. Now, he's cleaned it up awful lot because in the original version, he makes no bones about saying he's describing the gap theory. And so, Old Schofield was a proponent of the gap theory. I've got a big Bible that's about that thick from this called Dake's Dake's Bible. And I, it's got a, it's a lot of good reference material in there. I looked in that. Dake also promoted the gap theory. A lot of significant men that I go to in my commentaries refer to the gap theory or some version thereof. And so what I'm what I'm telling you is there is a, a tremendous pull for Christians to feel like they're like, like they're somewhat intelligent. They, wanna, they don't want to feel dumb. They don't want to feel stupid when they're with a bunch of really smart people. And so they want to act smart. And so they've they've adopted this because in their mind it solves a lot of problems. And from my perspective really naive perspective I think it creates more problems than what it solves and so I say God is all-powerful and all-sovereign and if that's true then why could not God have done just what he said why could not have God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days which letter B an all-inclusive six-day creation the same reasoning that's behind God's creation of mature trees each having rings, typifying their age, can also explain these examples. I asked you last week, I said, uh, uh, maybe a little differently, but a year after Adam was created, how old was he? One year old. (laughs) But he could shave. I don't know too many one year olds that could shave. Because when God created Adam, he created him as a man. With the with a working system as if Adam had lived for, what, 30 years? I don't know how old he was when he was created. Perfect age, whatever that is. He was created with a complete working system, and that's exactly how God created the universe, as a complete working system. I asked you this, or I proposed this. I said, since we discovered that, very briefly, but light travels at 186,000 uh, miles per second, and we talked about light years. And in fact, that's how, how, uh, how long it takes or how far light can travel in a year, which is a phenomenal amount of miles, some trillion number trillion miles, long ways away. Um, light year, how far it can travel? Well, some of the stars take millions of years millions of light years, to reach Earth. If that's the case, when Adam was on Earth, how in the world could he see the light from stars that could take millions of years if he could already see them when he first was created? Well, of course, the scientist, believing the gap theory, would say that's because God created them billions of years ago. And what I say is God is so smart, God created a world that was a working system already, so that light was already showing up, and that's how God made it. Because God's so smart, I I fear that some of man's theories, instead of providing an out for God, they limit God. They make Him smaller instead of sovereign. God was not simply trying to make the earth appear old to fool scientists. He actually created it in a mature, working state, showing signs of many years of existence, thus explaining the light from the stars being present and the geological formations. Number five. There have been many attempts to discern what the actual date of creation was. And I put two men down, Bishop Usher of King James era and Floyd Jones, a PhD of Harvard. They came to a date, and the way they did that was they traced back the, the, uh, the records of people. And so using the Bible and other records, they could go back and say, well this person lived from this time to this time, this person lived to this time to this time, this time to this time, and the Bible gives a lot of records to be able to discern who lived when. They would, they would talk about find kings when that king reigned, and they would find even secular documents to show this, and so it wasn't, it wasn't impossible then For them to go back and to arrive at a pretty significant date for when they believe Adam was created thus the six days of creation and that date is 4004 BC 4004 now do I know that for a fact was I there no and these men don't know it for a fact but again using their deduction that's how they came to that number five the actual work of creation by the Son, Jesus Christ. The actual work. In John 1, 3, it says, All things were made by Him. By Him, well, that's the Word. Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So we learn that Jesus Christ created all that was made. Colossians 1:16 and 17. For by Him... This refers, three verses before, to His dear Son, so for by Him, the Son of God, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So, Jesus Christ was very instrumental in creation. Now, we learn in other scriptures that so was the Father, and so was the Holy Spirit. In their own ways, in their own jobs, each of the three parts of Trinity played a role in creation. But it's very definitive in these verses that Jesus Christ was was, uh, instrumental in creation. Uh, Number six, the events of day one. The events of day one. First of all, letter A, Genesis 1:1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The heaven and the earth. So letter A is the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. We had an interesting discussion on this that comes later, and I hope we'll hopefully remember it to bring it back at this time. Number one, without form and void. Now we get to jump finally to Genesis 1-2. And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Here we have two Hebrew words that I wanted to throw at you and define. The words are tohu and bohu. And I just want to say them because they're fun words to say, that's all. Uh, tohu, mean, mean, literally meaning without form or literally a wilderness or wasteland. The earth was without tohu. It was without... Form. It was literally a wasteland when it was originally created. And void. It was bohu. It was empty. So God created this mass. and We're going to learn shortly that it was covered by water. But what was interesting about this mass of creation is in that creation, when God spoke it into existence, everything necessary for what God was going to make was in that original creation. All the minerals were there. All all the gases, all the substances that God would need to bring out and to do His work of making all these different things was in that original chaotic mess. And God, in the beginning, God created what? This apparent mess But in that mess was everything he was going to need. My wife, as many of you know, is a good cook. And she loves doing desserts and the like. Every so often she'll go and she'll make a cake. Well, my wife yet, yet has been able to create any of those ingredients. She goes to the store and she buys them. She brings them home, stores them for a while perhaps. Then when she needs them, she goes to the closet or the refrigerator. She pulls out what she needs and she uses that. She makes... A cake. She doesn't create a cake. She makes it. She doesn't create the egg. She doesn't create the flour or the sugar or any of the the things that go in it. Doesn't create any of those things. When God, in Genesis 1, 1, he looked and there was nothing to work with. Nothing. And out of nothing God created. That's what's so incredible. God created out of nothing. That that in and of itself is is amazing, but it blows my mind to think that it was all in God's mind before there was one action taken, the entire creative ability and what he was going to do was in his mind without form and void. Number two, without light. It says darkness was on the face of the deep. He created this, this blob this, this, this water-covered blob, and it was all in darkness, which it shouldn't amaze me, but it does. Do you know that God can see in the dark? <laughs> of course he can. God didn't need to create a flashlight because he didn't need to see. He could see everything. So he made all this, and it's completely dark. No light whatsoever. It's all completely dark. In Jeremiah 4, 23, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form, and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. Did you notice that? And the heavens had no light. Now when I look up at the heavens, I see light. In the daytime, I see the sun. At the nighttime, I see the stars and the moon. But not when God first created it. There was no light there. A possible answer... For why God began with the creation of chaos, instead of a completed world, is what we're going to talk about. Now, what I'm going to tell you is is not guaranteed. I don't know, when you start talking about the whys of what God does, you're conjecturing. And so I'm telling you right now, I'm conjecturing. All right, This is nothing more than a thought. But, to me, it's exciting. Letter A, without form and void and no light. That's how God made it. It's a picture of a lost soul. A picture of a lost soul. The more I considered this, the more I could see that God was trying to use every aspect of creation to teach us spiritual lessons. Everything God did had a purpose behind it. And that was for you and I to learn something more about his nature, his character. If the work of grace in the soul Is a new creation writes Matthew Henry this chaos represents the state of an unregenerate graceless soul there is disorder confusion and every evil work it is empty of all good for it is without God it's dark it is darkness itself this is our condition by nature until almighty grace affects a blessed change We are completely spiritually dark, in darkness, until his light comes into us. Letter B. A spiritual consideration for no light. A spiritual consideration for no light. This is from the pulpit commentary. Number one, it's without order without order his creation without order when he made the the heavens and the earth the earth was without there was an order there it was just the raw ingredients existing in a state of spiritual ruin and requiting a special process of rearrangement to evolve symmetry and beauty from its confusion second Corinthians 516 wherefore henceforth no we no man after the flesh yea though we have known Christ after the flesh Yet now henceforth know we him no more, or no more after the flesh. This after the flesh, we knew Christ, or thought we knew him. We knew him in our flesh. We really thought we knew him, but we didn't know him because it was superficial. After salvation, we knew him as our Lord and Savior, which was a total rearrangement of our thinking. Number two, without life. Being dead in trespasses and sins, absolutely void in the sense of being untenanted by lofty thoughts, pure emotions, holy volitions, spiritual imaginations, such as are the inmates of sinless and great part also of renewed souls. Ephesians 2.1, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins without life. That original creation, there was no life there. There was darkness, a blob surrounded by water. There was no life. Number three, without light, shrouded in darkness, walking perhaps in the sparks that its own fire had kindled, but devoid of that true light which is from heaven. Ephesians 4.18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Isaiah 1.11 To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. John 1.9 That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. God's initial creation was without light. Remember, we're picturing, we're using that creation as a picture of the spiritual soul. Without Christ, there's no life. There's no light. Without Christ, there is no order. We are a chaotic mess without Christ. Number four, yet... Even in that state, this is incredible. Even in that state, okay, here's this dark mess, this blob. Yet, number four, not without God. What was going on on behalf of the Holy Spirit in that second verse? What was he doing? What did it say? he say? He was moving in the waters, he was moving. Number three, the Spirit of God moved above. He moved. <laughs> Letter A, moved, means to hover over or to flutter. I picture a drone. <laughs> a drone just hanging up. Just hanging over there. He wants to go over here for a, Just hovering over, watching. The Holy Spirit was hovering over that dark, Chaotic blob. So what's the spiritual significance? When I was without Christ, when I had no spiritual life, when I was in darkness, the Holy Spirit was watching over me. The Holy Spirit was hovering over me. Who do you suppose it was that influenced a person to come and tell me about Christ? It was the hoverer. Holy Spirit Holy Spirit encouraged them to come and to tell me about Christ why is it that periodically you're out in public and you have this little voice saying you need to hand that person a track what's going on here the Holy Spirit has been hovering over that lost person and that Holy Spirit is encouraging you to participate in sharing with them the gospel to bring them light so here's this here's this amazing picture that God is using his creation to teach us a spiritual lesson. So the unsaved soul is without Christ, he's without life, he is without light, and the Holy Spirit is hovering over us. Letter B. Light. Light. Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Did you notice that it does not say, and let there be the sun, moon, and stars? It doesn't say that. In fact, they're a few verses later. They've not been created yet. So in this verse, he says, let there be light. He created light before he created light sources. Now think, let that sink in for just a minute. God created light, and he brought light into the world before he brought light sources into the world. Perhaps a general light that God had? So began a series of nine times in creation account, God said. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. God's initial creation of light seems to have been general throughout His creation. It apparently was not initially focused from sources like the sun and the stars. Again, the spiritual application, letter A. Light illustrates spiritual life. Providing for man a remarkable illustration of spiritual life, God spoke, and light immediately dissipated the darkness. By the way, I read this just this week. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what the speed of dark is? I just learned it this week. I didn't know before. What's that? It is 186,000. The, miles per second, the same as light. I didn't know that. The very same. It's exactly right, for what it's worth. When man trusts Christ, the darkness of Satan's bondage of sin and death is immediately broken, igniting in him an eternal life, one partaking of the very life of Christ. Light illustrates spiritual life. 2 Corinthians 4.6 For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Letter B. Light became an important identification with Christ. Christ and light. Can you remember a statement that Jesus said tying him To light? I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Light of life. They're tied together. John 9, 5. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest, listen to this, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Jesus is the light, and so is his gospel. The light. What must come into the heart of the unsaved man is the gospel, the light of life of Jesus Christ. Let her see. In the millennium and beyond, light will emanate from the glory of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Revelation 21, 23, and 24. And the city had no need of the sun. Now think about that. We don't need your sun. We don't need S-U-N. We don't need you anymore. Neither the moon to shine in it. Why? For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. At that time, no longer will the sun or the moon be necessary. Now, it doesn't say they're not going to be there. It says they're not necessary. Which means it's possible the sun, moon, and stars will all be in their places. It's possible. But I learned this. You you can find the absolute limitation of darkness to where you get to the fact that there is absolute... By the way, they tell me in physics, there's no such thing as darkness. There's simply an absence of light. So you take all light out and you get finally to zero light. It can't go any farther. It can't get any darker. It has reached its limit cannot get darker once it gets zero light it cannot get darker. but i'm told there is no limitation to how much light can be added now if that's true but imagine this 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 eternity where jesus is the light Well, it would be very possible in my mind to have the sun shining, the moon shining, but they are so overwhelmed by the light of Jesus Christ, they're not necessary. It's not they're not shining, they're no longer necessary because of all this extra light coming in from the Son of God Himself is a possibility. And then I say, How can you see? It'd be so bright out. And then I said, You've got to have these sunglasses, or you're gonna have a resurrected body. It's gonna be okay. Because you'll be able to see just fine. And what you will see will be mind-blowing. It'll be so incredible. By the way, no, no more trifocals. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Number two, a good work divided. A good work divided. Genesis 1, 4, and God saw the light. That it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. Now, I'm told that the two cannot mix. It's an either-or proposition. You either have light or you have darkness. You can't have both. Well, God here divided the two. Letter A, God, or I'm sorry, letter A, light was good. Light was good. God said it was good. And the word good, as used here, means pleasant or delightful. But the word good is also one of the attributes of God. Good describes God himself. He is good as part of his nature. Therefore, his creation reflected his own quality in that light. Mark 10, 10, verse 18. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good, but one that is God. God warmed the atmosphere of his creation by means of light. Light was created. Darkness is the absence of Creation. It's virtually nothing. Virtually nothing. Letter B. Light was separated from darkness. With his newly created light source shining on the watery blob, half was illuminated, while the other half remained in the dark. There was a definite separation between light and darkness. So, if I were in a dark room, and I brought this into the, that's not a good illustration, this is. If I brought this in, though it's a square, if I brought this into a dark room, and then I took a flashlight, and I shined the flashlight from over here, well, obviously, this side would be illuminated, while this side would still be in the dark. Guess what, there's a division. Light and darkness. God divided the light from the darkness. Here's what what he's talking about. Uh, letter C, day and night became the first day. Again, a little peculiar. I would not write it that way. I would say night and, or day and night. I'm sorry. Let me get into it. Genesis 1-5. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's what I would have not written that way. I would have said the morning and the evening were the first day, or the day and the night were the first day, but that's not what God said. God said the Evening and the morning. The dark came first. Dark came first, followed by light. And the combination of the dark and light back to dark was a day. Number one, God began, he began rotating the earth, turning it. It would take a cycle through a night and a day before starting over. 24 hours later. Number two, the word used for day is the Hebrew word yom. And there's a couple of ways I saw that it could be spelled, but I put the fewest number of letters possible. It's used as a 24-hour day. 2,008 times of the 2,287 appearances in the Bible. So out of 2,287 2008 of them is translated as a literal 24-hour day. Though it can refer to an extended, life, extended time like the day of the Lord, which is an age. The context of Genesis 1 limits its meaning to a literal 24-hour day. Number three, God even defined day. Interestingly, God defined a day as the evening and the morning, or darkness first followed by light. Darkness followed by light. Is it possible to hear once again God is giving us a spiritual illustration? The unsaved soul is in darkness first. Then they come to the light, which I found interesting. Number four. Israelite day began at sunset. Israelite day begins at sunset. The Israelites measure their day starting at sunset, the start of darkness, and ending at the beginning of the next sunset. And that goes on in Jewish homes today. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Right. They had to be home and ready for it by the time it got dark. Correct? Was there a set time or just dark? Six o'clock. Six o'clock okay. okay. Uh, seven, event of day two. Uh, Genesis 1, 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Firmament. What is a good synonym for firmament? Earth. Dirt? what you say? Dirt. What'd you say? Earth. would you say? Earth. 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 Dirt. Dirt. Okay. Anything else? What? Atmosphere. Atmosphere. Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, let me give you what the d- uh, dictionary says. Number one, firmament literally means expanse. Expanse. I told you the story of when I worked at the bakery out of high school, and I put on 60 pounds. Guess what? There was a fast expanse. Expanse. It's it's something really big. Number two, a curtain or a tent. It refers to something stretched out and spread like a curtain or tent. The firmament is that which stretches out like a tent over the entire earth. Listen to this. Psalm 104, verse 2, Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain. Hmm. Psalm 91, 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. The expanse, the great expanse out there, showeth His handiwork. Letter B, a separation of waters under from those above. Genesis 1-7, and God made the firmament, which divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. So God did it, and it was done. He did it. What did He do? He divided the water. So here's there's, there's water, and He divided it. So waters that are on earth from waters above, and what separated them was the firmament. What separated them was the firmament. And and I had a fun discussion on that, but it got messed up on my notes, so I didn't get a chance to give it this afternoon, so I'm going to give it to them and you next week. But this is interesting, so come back just to hear this, because this is an interesting little thing that, that, uh, that we will talk about. The firmament. All right. By the way, when you look up and... The sky out here, especially out here, out west, It's so different out here. It's, it's a big sky out here. You can actually see the sky out here. In Illinois, about three days a year, you can see the sky. And so see in the sky, you look up, and if you can get away from light pollution, you see this sky come alive. And what you're looking at is this amazing expanse That God calls his firmament. Letter C is heaven. Heaven. Genesis 1, 8. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. I'm sorry? Well, it was last I checked. Yes. Yes. Number one, first usage. The atmospheric canopy of water. The atmospheric canopy of water. What do we have to have in, in, in what we are in right now in order to live? We have to have oxygen. In our atmosphere we have to have oxygen. If there's no oxygen, we're dead. Our oxygen, or our level that we're in of the heaven includes oxygen. I found this interesting. So many of these things some of you have known since you were in high school or, or junior high. But for me, this is mind blowing because I'm learning it, some of this for the first time. Do you know why all of our oxygen doesn't just float off into space? There's nothing really keeping it up there from floating off into space. Why is oxygen staying so close to planet Earth? Gravity. Gravity is holding it down because air has weight. There's volume in air. And so that weight is being pulled down. Why? So you and I can suck it in. Do you know who made that? God did. Do you know why there is no oxygen surrounding the moon? Because there's not sufficient gravity to hold it down? I didn't know that. But God did. And he made the world. When he spoke the worlds, he spoke all of that into existence. So, number two, heaven is used in three ways in the Bible. Most of you know this. It talks about three different forms of heaven or heavens. Uh, letter A, the atmospheric expanse of the heaven Letter B, the vast expanse above, including the planets and stars. So we've got the atmosphere, what we breathe, what we live and breathe in, what we're living in right now. And then you look up and you see this vast expanse above, which includes the planets and the stars. And then number three is the abode of God, where God lives. Where God lives. I'm going to read you a verse, but I want you just thinking before next week. He said he divided the waters with the firmament. And then he describes this firmament as heaven. And then he breaks down heaven into three parts. The two physical parts are what we live and breathe in, and then that which is before, above our atmosphere that, that has the planets and stars in. And that's all the firmament he divided the firmament he divided the waters with the firmament meaning the waters on earth with the waters above now i just want you thinking about it if that's the case then where is that realm of the waters above We'll talk about that next week. Second Corinthians 12, two, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. This is Paul talking. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven, where God was. Not here the atmospheric heaven, not the heaven of the, of the stars, moon, and the, the sun, but the third heaven where God is. So when God said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I found that interesting. and We talked about that, and we'll close with this. We talked about that this afternoon. And I had this hair-brained idea, which I should never talk out loud, a hair-brained idea without studying it. And so I had this harebrained idea, I threw it out, and I've not thought it through before because I, I didn't want to be unfair. I was crazy then, I want to be crazy again here. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven, not heavens, the heaven, and the earth. Now it goes on to break that heaven down into apparently three different parts of that heaven, heaven into three parts. Is it possible that when God created the heavens, the heaven, that he created what we know as his heaven at the same time? Because in God's sovereignty, God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need the luxuries of this incredible heaven that we read about. He doesn't need the streets of gold. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need all the things that are so incredible, but who does? We do. Is it possible? Just possible? And don't be afraid to correct me when we're done here. (laughs) Is it possible that he made the heavens all in that original creation? I don't know. I don't know. I know one thing for sure, the God who spoke and the world's appeared is the very same God that you and I get the chance of spending eternity with, worshiping at his feet, never getting enough of saying thank you. Incredible. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for this time. Thank you for being our God. And Lord, there's no way we can, with words, adequately describe your greatness. You're so beyond. You're so much higher. And yet, Lord, you chose to stoop down to our level, and for that we thank you. Lord, help us to live our lives for you, thanking you every day. Go with us, I pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.